Welcome to Table Pancakes. I'm Catherine. And I'm your host, Shelby. How's it going, host Shelby? It's going well. I saw Andre 3000 last night. He played his flute. I enjoyed it a lot uh, with my friend Mandy, so it was good to catch up with her. Work is busy this week, but it's a short week. I have Friday off, and like I said in last week's episode, it's baby shower weekend, so heading to that and going to see my parents. So I'm in, a, I'm in a good mood. There's a lot I'm trying to fit into this week. This past weekend was crazy. Like Lots of socializing, lots of catching up, but I'm feeling fueled by my people, excited to see more of my people this weekend, and like really inspired by Andre 3000 playing the flute. Didn't know if that was something I'd be into, but it felt like I was in a sound bath. And it was inspirational to see someone do something that like maybe they're not super good at. I'm not saying the flute was bad, but fascinating to see him kind of just vibe out and play and, and be new to this. And they took our phone, so we were just all immersed in it, and it was great. How are you feeling? I'm okay. First of all, I love that experimental nature and seeing someone who's so good at their craft try something new and put it out there. That sounds like something really special. Last week flew by and I couldn't even tell you what happened. It makes it sound like I was like raging and have no recollection, but definitely not the case. Um, Just a really fast week and a lot going on. This week I had my whole plan of what I was going to do this week, this month, and then here I find myself on jury duty. So February just might be a little bit of a wrap. Well, it's episode four and we have a lot to talk about. This episode is coming out on Valentine's Day, a day of love. Uh, We celebrate all love here, platonic, romantic. All kinds of love. Let's start with how do we navigate as we get older, friendship in our 30s? What does that mean? A huge part of it is how we communicate with each other. And part of why we started this podcast is because there's so much going on in people's minds, in their hearts, in the world around them, but we aren't necessarily normalized to have the language to talk about those things. And so when life comes at you fast, whether it's the crazy day-to-day or even like seismic occurrences, I feel like people can be left feeling perplexed or thrown through a loop because they don't necessarily know how to talk about it or how to process it. So we want to just think about like the changes that we've experienced so far in our 30s, not too far in yet, and what it's been like in all the relationships and and loves of, in our life. I think what's interesting about getting older is you don't necessarily get better. You have to try to get better. And so as I navigate relationships with people who are older than me, my family, intergenerational relationships I have, I believe that your age is not a marker for where you are on this journey. It's a determination to be better and hold each other accountable and love on each other. And that's something I've had to learn. I don't think friendship in my early days required that much of me. You have to learn to have relationships with people. Like if we use my sister as an example, we didn't always do everything together as kids. We're not even two years apart, but we had very different personalities and lives. But as adults, it is like leading with that love and like checking in on her and like she checks in on me and she hypes me up on things I'm doing and I try to hype her up and ask her how she's doing. So it's like just one example of how in your 30s and all of your life, but as I get older and all these changes happen, just making sure I'm really putting in the work. It's actually a lot more work than friendship has ever been. Yeah, the shifts of what's required are really great. My particular... 30s journey has been one where I've 
shifted from someone who didn't really require too much out of my friends to someone who actually needed a lot from them. That's, you know, a big shift for me and also a big shift for the people in my life. But there's also a lot of beauty in it too when when you can figure it out and kind of walk alongside each other. There is beauty in needing people and that's been a lesson that I've had to learn as we navigate these times where some of our friends are partnered, some of my friends are having children, some of my friends have decided to live a completely different life, lives than what I live from living in suburbia to, you know, I live in the city. And so it's been trying at times to find kind of like how to navigate that Mm -hmm. and how to stay related. But I think a beautiful lesson I've learned is loving each other doesn't require always relating. We don't have to live parallel lives to try with each other and stay present. It just, it takes curiosity. Like your life is completely different than mine, but like what goes on? And I'm invested in the ways that it's different. One movie that I watched recently was Good Grief on Netflix. It it was, I'm probably going to leave some of it out, but written, directed, maybe produced, and starring Dan Levy. It was a really deep diving account of his character's experience with losing their partner and his experience navigating that with his friends and going on that journey together. Dan is definitely on tour. Shelby and I have been sending podcasts to each other back and forth with discussions that he's having promoting the film and getting the word out there. And one of the big themes of it is really about seeing your friends and what they're going through and holding your friends accountable. I know that you got to watch a little bit of it. Did you have any thoughts? I am a baby and I turned it off after 30 minutes, not because it was a bad film, but because it was a Friday night and I'm like, "Mm, this may be a little too heavy for this exercise. Beautiful though. Like I really enjoyed the beginning. I'm like just seeing their love story and then obviously it gets tragic as we progress, but I will finish it and I'll circle back on my thoughts on the movie. But on the podcast episodes that we listened to, what really resonated with me was what he said about how everyone is going through something. He said exactly everyone is grieving something. So whether that's a relationship you wanted with your parents, it's not going well, like losing a family member, a loved one, and opportunities that you thought you were gonna have, et cetera. And I think we could really give each other more space for that. We, I think, compare struggles sometimes, not you and I, but you know, universally. I think people compare struggles and they don't always go to their friends because it's like, well, you are going through something harder than me and I'm in a better spot, so who am I to complain? And I think really seeing each other and loving each other is understanding like we we know we come to, from two different vantage points, but what's a 10 for me might be a seven for you, but that doesn't mean that like my 10 is any less and I would love support there, but it takes vulnerability to share any of that. You have to get to the same page. I also like what he said about accountability as we get older. I remember justifying a lot of my friends' actions when we were in our 20s because you're just, that's kind of who you're going through it with. You meet people in college, high school, just all these people that you're collecting. And the quips and the quirks that they have sometimes are detrimental, but you make excuses for them. Like, oh, that person just gossips a lot. Or, oh, that person like drinks too much, but it's Mm -hmm. fine. Like they're really great when they're sober, even if that's rarely, like it's just, there's a lot of justifications you make. And I like what he said about keeping your friends accountable because you can love people so much. You're holding them accountable because you love them. So it doesn't mean you can change them, but just having the space to say like, hey, I kind of noticed this. Like, are you okay? Or like, these are my thoughts on this. Like I can, I'm allowed to put up boundaries. It shows that you care because ultimately 
if you didn't care, why would you waste your try- time trying to hold someone accountable right. <laughs> and exactly. like dive in and have a discussion about it? You'd just be like, forget it. Yeah, I think what can be tough is on both sides, if we're talking about a friendship, let's say, between, or a relationship between two people, both sides are experiencing things and going through hardships of their own degree at any given time. I mean, I just think we can't really be in the business of rating other people's pain. like. And that can go both ways. I think it can be, I think that, I don't think it's fair to only limit yourself to your point of view and what you're going through and not acknowledge that someone else is going through something as well. Sometimes it isn't necessarily helpful for someone to kind of retreat because they don't want to burden you with other pains. I think just like accountability is having that level of care and like going in there and and feeling like this relationship's important to me so i want to talk about this it's equally as important to be open about those conversations of how much can each side handle and that's a part of showing care for each other understanding your friend's support system is key because I think a lot of people perceive them to be in a certain place in their friend support system but it, they're maybe not because there are times where it's like people said to me oh why didn't you share that with me and I'm like that's not really your lane like maybe that's not something I would share with you and I mean people may take offense to that but it's like you have to think about the kind of support you give but I also think about my other friends like I've had close friends who have a lot of siblings I only have one sister but they have a lot of siblings and so I'm actually not the first line of the command they have parents they have three sisters they have just a way bigger community so I might know things later because They have so much more support. And so I think understanding where you are in that space can save yourself a little, like a little bit of hurt. Also talking about it because people have therapists, people have spouses, like they have a million reasons why maybe you're not getting the full story about where they are. But I try to keep that in mind, but then always inquire like, oh, okay, like, how are you? What's going on? And I'm ready for whatever they're comfortable to share. But I think understanding where you, where you sit in the line of command, because something is hard that is hard for me is when people are upset because I didn't tell them things. And I'm like, yeah, that's just like, that's not where I would go with that. So I think it's also interesting to kind of figure out where you lie in the chain of support. Right, right. And that's tough because it's hard to, to say to someone, okay, yeah, you're not really the audience for that. But that level of clarity is probably really helpful. There are definitely relationships that I have where, yeah, maybe I'm not entirely clear on, am I that first line of command or do they think that they're that in that first line for me? And it's something that can feel a little bit strange to talk about maybe because what are you going to say? Like, oh, you're on the bench. (laughs) Well, I did say that and people didn't take well to it, but the friendship is on the way it's out on its way out anyway. They asked me something very small, like, why didn't you tell me you wanted to write a book? Or why didn't you tell me you were writing a book? And I said, you guys aren't the people I go to with these things. That was brought up to me again. Like, oh, it really sat with me that you said, we're not the type of people that you go, but but you're not. So what should sit with you is why that is, not your lack of information, but why is that? And I'm happy to discuss that if you would like to double click on why you're not that person. I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it because that's how I perceive the reality of our relationship to be. I don't share things with you because it doesn't seem like a safe space to do that. And I have other very supportive, lovely places to do so. But being mad at the person because something wasn't shared with you 
means you lack some self-reflection. You can be hurt, but I don't want to talk about that with you. You can be hurt, but it's like, I would, and I can only speak for myself, but I would be like, well, interesting. Why didn't Catherine share that with me? What am I doing to make, and then I would come to you with those observations. Like, oh, I felt a little weird when I found out this way, X, Y, Z. And then you could share to me why that happened. Sometimes it's just an oversight. Sometimes it's like, I called my mom, I put it on Instagram, and then I texted my sister and I just forgot. I wasn't trying to be hurtful, but sometimes it's like, no, I intentionally didn't tell you that. I agree with you. If someone shares that with you, then the next question to ask yourself is, why is that? What's going on between the two of us, their actions, my actions, that would create that situation. Yeah, and understanding we don't have mirrors of support systems. Like I'm, I realize that some friends need me more because they have less of a support system. So it's like no shade that they're telling me things I wouldn't tell them because I'm like, oh, like I have a sister who's close in age to me or I have all these other people. And sometimes that's not the case for everyone. Maybe they're an only child. Maybe they have a small family. Maybe they don't have a ton of friends. So it's like you move up on the ranks in a place that they're not. It's not, it doesn't need to be apples to apples, but I think it does help to understand like what's going on, the bigger ecosystem. That makes me think maybe we all need to, or at least I know I could, get a better grip on what everyone's support ecosystem looks like because it's something that, of course, can change and evolve all the time, but not something that I'm explicitly asking people. And sometimes it can feel weird to say, like, oh, who do you talk to about this? But probably good to know if they're not outright telling you. Yeah, and you start observing it, like, oh, you know, I call my, my friends are like, I call my mom every day, we talk on the way to work, or, you know, I had this, they kind of, like, reflect on who they're speaking to, and so, and then I have friends who, like, they call me about everything, like, they call me about everything that happens, and I love it, but I know that, like, I'm kind of that number one for them. One element that we certainly face every day in life, but I think just becomes even more complex as life goes on is the different paths that people are on and the different journeys that people are taking, and seeing the ways in which everyone's paths can evolve and that can mean paths diverging between people that are in a relationship down separate roads but then also paths might take different turns for each of the individuals but it still can be an opportunity to you know not just turn around and go the other direction but to you know kind of circle back and and walk alongside them Paths diverging is one that we will keep going through. It hasn't been exclusive to my 30s. I mean, we're both from the Midwest. My first friend got married when we were still in college. So I have taken, our paths have been diverging since we graduated high school and just choosing different colleges, different locations, post-grad, all of that. Some people are more equipped to handle than others. I would say for me, my parents definitely took some diverging paths from their peers. They both moved away from their hometowns. They both have like lived all over the Midwest, but they both weren't born and raised there. It's very natural to me to find ways to be alongside people because that was an exercise I had to do with my family where a lot of them live in the South. Some of them live in the Midwest, but like they kind of live all over. And even my own sister, like we live completely different lives. So it's like having to, you really love that person. So finding commonality. And like I said earlier, you don't have to really have that much in common. I just really love you and I want to know what's going on in your life. It could be apples and oranges to mine. But I think a lot of people make it a moral decision. They assign morality to which path. So as I get older, to a lot of people living in New York seems frivolous because why would you not own a home? Why are you not taking dating seriously? Why are you not doing all like the American dream things? Like 
When are you going to get a husband and a house and a dog? Because that's not at the top of my list. I think some people's paths, we diverge. But people who keep a curiosity about my life and are excited and understand that we're doing two different things. Because I really don't think it's necessary to act like we're doing the same thing. It's kind of obvious we're not. But that mutual respect, we're like, my friends are having babies. Can't wait. Can't wait to spoil the babies. Can't wait to hold the babies. Can't wait to go to their homes and stay in a guest room. Because guess what? When they stay stay with me, I have a pullout couch. So to go to their house and have a room with the door on it, let those paths diverge. Love that for us. But like, also be respectful of my path. There's that level of respect and again, that level of curiosity. You might not be taking the same path. In fact, yeah, I, I think it's it's rare to really be on the same path as everyone else around you. And that's certainly not something that I feel, but when you have that level of respect and level of curiosity, that's helpful as things just continue to change and evolve as we know they're going to keep doing. One thing that I find interesting specifically is thinking about everyone's level of risk that they're willing to take as life goes on. I found this as an entrepreneur starting my own business ventures, comparing that to you know friends who who are working in a corporate job and doing really well, but they're going to continue on that path. That's opened up a whole different lifestyle, different levels of priorities and different spending habits even, and spending habits financially, but also how you're spending your time. All of that is prioritized differently, which has been interesting to see. And I really like having friends that are doing different things and taking different paths. I want to hear about what else is out there and the things that don't necessarily speak to my heart or pique my interest, but light up my friends. It's great to be able to experience something that's diversified from what you're doing in your own life. I've also come across situations where there is a true divergence and it's kind of like, this is a wrap. You might be in a situation where your truth is something that other people cannot handle and do not want to see, whether it's because it makes their life inconvenient or calls into question their reality and safety. And it's kind of like, oh, I'm just going to close that box. I'm not opening that. I don't want to see what's inside. It's hard for people. I want to do an episode on human design, so I promise we'll get into that. But I am a manifester, which means a lot of things but one of the biggest things is I'm the first to do a lot of things I'm supposed to like bring out these new ideas and be a bit of a change maker I didn't learn about human design until probably two or three years ago from Chrissy Ford's newsletter and then I took a deep dive and I've been making everyone try to spiral with me ever since because it really validated a lot of the ways I feel about myself and the reason I bring that up is because I have always been doing things a bit differently and I've questioned everything. And I know you and I talk about that a lot. Part of that is because I'm not contrarian. I just don't agree with the sentiment that the way we've done things is how we should always do them. It actually, I find it to be very unnerving. At work when people say that, in personal life when people say that, in families where it's like, this is how we do it. I don't care. I want to assess what's the best way to do it. How does everyone feel when we do it this way? Is there a more productive way to do it? And being that person aggravates a lot of people. When I walk into the room, people are annoyed sometimes because I have questions. And 
it benefits some people to do things how they always were. I mean, friends who are flourishing in corporate America, making hundreds of thousands of dollars, very successful, amazing at companies, but corporate America has a blueprint. There's a way to act. There are some nuance there based on your industry and company, but there's a way to act. There, there's a 401k, there's a retirement plan. Like, There's a very obvious path. I think something that both of us have in common is navigating life outside of that path. Although I still have a corporate job, I've always been a person who's like, why are we doing this? What's going on with this? I don't like this. And I'm not that senior in my career. I haven't even had a job for 10 years. And so that does irritate people. But to your point, when it comes to divergence, there are people who love it and it empowers them. And they're like, wow, I can do that too. And like, I actually had a question about this too. I just didn't feel comfortable speaking up. So thank God you said it. And I do it for those people. I don't really care whose path I diverge from anymore. I think a few years ago, I used to get very hurt when that fork in the road became apparent. Cause I'm like, oh, I love this person. Like, why can't we just stay on the same path? But it's actually detrimental to me that you keep feeling so threatened and not even like a jealousy way, just like a, how dare you vibe? Like, how dare you question everything? How dare you want more? How dare you like not do the status quo? Like, why isn't corporate America good enough for you? It's good enough for me. If that's your response to me doing what I want and to what you said, speaking to like my heart's desires and like, we probably shouldn't be friends. I don't really care about convincing you. You just don't get it fundamentally. You don't get me. You're not trying to see me. I'm not the most radical person you're going to meet. If you can't handle this level, then like, yikes, like do not meet my friends. There's a difference between people having different lifestyles, different family and support structures, different goals, different ambitions versus people just being unwilling or feeling challenged by those differences. Like those differences can be respected and embraced. Right. And I love my friends who are different than me because they remind me to what you were saying earlier. They remind me of what else is out there. And they remind me of like the different personalities that I'm dealing with. Like I meet people who are like my friends who are different and just kind of understanding their POV. My friends who have become moms and seeing like, what's their POV when I come across a mom in the workplace? There's someone who I love that's going through that. So I can draw from that experience. So it's actually so helpful to have friends who are like, Maybe that's not how I would handle it or like that's not exactly how I think or this is how I would feel if it was said to me. It it gives me perspective and it makes me softer with people. So I'm actually very thankful for the friendships I've been able to maintain where we are so different because it shows me just what else what else can exist and how to get along with those people. Right. What else is out there? I do like any opportunity to feel surrounded by a group that feels much bigger than myself, a group that feels much broader than myself and my immediate circle. It's an opportunity to pick up on different things, to learn different things, just to get a sense of we're all in this world together. So the more the more information and experiences you have with people that are different from you, I feel like we can we can only benefit from that. Exactly. I mean, I think the issue is that most people do not like that because it challenges their belief systems. I think there are times where things I thought were true about me and my family, and I feel a lot more solid in myself now, but being around other people can be like, okay, well, they think this. Do I think that about myself? Or they perceive this as negative, but I actually never perceived that as negative. Is it negative? So I think sometimes it can call in some... uh, confusion or some like uh, insecurity at times. And that's not for everyone. I love being challenged in some way because it makes me realize what beliefs I actually stand 10 toes down on. 
Like if challenge, I'm like, nope, I really believe that. No matter what you say, I actually believe that. But there are times where I can be convinced where I'm like, interesting, that POV maybe makes me like freeze up some space. It's not as absolute as I thought it was. So I welcome those friendships, for, but for some people, they can't handle their beliefs being questioned. It's just not gonna work. Well, then that's just where our paths are gonna diverge. Agreed. Which and that's why some of my paths have diverged. I mean, it's it's I'm not that deep in life, and there are definitely people where I'm from. I've never resonated with the beliefs really. I mean, I've said this, but I'm from like a very conservative, like white Catholic place, and like I didn't, I'm not any of those things. So I just didn't didn't resonate. And I think there are a lot of times where I was challenged in my beliefs, but it's kind of, I don't really, I'm not friends with a lot of people from that environment because they did not want to be challenged. I was constantly challenged, but there was not an appetite from them to be challenged. That resonates with me, but not necessarily in my relationships to others in their belief systems, but more about the relationship between the belief systems that I was surrounded by and myself. The vibe that I picked up on as a child. I was in a very diverse and creative um, and intellectual environment, but going back to its Quaker roots, there's kind of this like puritanical nature of like, keep yourself small, like head down, work hard. You will be rewarded for that. Keep it simple. We don't have to be too showy. Continue to do your thing and truck along and in some ways that is a part of my identity, but I've definitely had to push and challenge myself to think about the ways that I am inherently different from that and train myself to embrace what's true about myself as opposed to kind of what I was trained into by nature of my environment. We're both from the Midwest. Midwest values are, I mean, we're not from the same place, but Midwest values are inherently like, don't be too showy do the hard work, all of those things. And it never resonated with me because the people who have the most razzle-dazzle, I know that's our word of the year, but the people who have the most razzle-dazzle are not keeping their head down and working hard. And I observed that very early. I'm like, people who have personalities and are finessers and have like cool stories to tell and cool clothes and don't fit in are the people that everyone's talking about. So I'm like, mm, I gleamed pretty early that I'm not doing that. And so... My parents, I've said this to you, but my parents not being from my hometown helped me because they weren't buying into it. So I didn't necessarily assign any of that to myself, but I was, again, surrounded by people who did. So I oftentimes felt like I'm being the contrarian one because I'm like, yeah, it's not going to get me anything if I keep my head my head down and like grind. I was like, I'm going to wear bright colors and I don't ever shut up and like, I'm going to do all these things. And it made people uncomfortable. I mean, a high school classmate said to me, we get it, you want a big life. Like, we don't have to be part of that. I'm like, yeah, you want to continue to keep yourself small and you will, enjoy. I will not be accompanying you. I'm not even sure how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I can be so curt. That's like, the, that's the thing that like, it's so fascinating. That's something I've learned about myself. Like I can be incredibly curt because- I love it. When you, but like when you really believe, I know people are saying like do affirmations and like talk to yourself, but like when you really are who you think you are, I just have this unwavering, like, I've always wanted a big life since I was a child. Like, you're not about to tell me, oh, yeah, if you want that, I don't know if you can be a part of it. Bye. <laughs> like, I just, I, it would never occur to me to change myself to fit in, especially at this age. I think younger Oof. me did it for survival, but at this age, I, I just don't see it. 
Yeah, I think it can be really hard when, at least what I think I'm seeing is people trying to change and shape shift themselves to fit into a specific mold, specifically at our age. I'm just like, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. It's survival. Like I give people, I have this conversation with my friends who some of them are just inherently different than me, like racially, um, like religion, like this, for a number of reasons, we just have different lives. I would say not always fitting into the mold made me more comfortable with it. Like I just, I think for some people, this is their first time Fair. having a contrarian thought. If you are not a minority and all of your friends are doing a thing and that thing's always resonated with you and you suddenly are like, dang, I don't want to do this thing, but all of my friends are doing it. I just don't have that experience, right? Like everything I've wanted, everything I've ended up doing is like different than my majority friend group. Probably the most like group think thing I did is we a lot of us moved to New York. But like other than that, it's been a really different path. So I'm very comfortable with it. But I think what we're witnessing is it's some people's first time being on the side of like, mm, maybe I am gonna raise a kid in New York City when all of our friends are moving to the suburbs. Or maybe I won't have kids. What what does that mean? And so I think just people are navigating that first time right. kind of other vibes. Fair enough. And and good for dipping toes in instead of shutting that box. So yeah, I salute everyone for trying. It's not easy. Certainly is not. We talked about this a little bit before, but as people are going through all of these changes, whether they're acting on them, thinking about them, considering them, this is this is happening throughout every day of our lives, internally and externally. But then we have all of these relationships that we're navigating as well. And so we're shape-shifting, evolving, rolling around this journey of life and can change at any moment in time. We still have these constant people in our life. And sometimes it can be hard to know how to, you know, how to show up for people when they're in that specific state on that specific day after that specific thing happened. And one thing that touched me this week was the term Moai. Our U.S. Surgeon General spoke about this. The podcast that I was listening to is Kate Bowler's, but he's spoken about this in many different media outlets. The Moai is a friend group term that originated in Japan, and it's really grounded in childhood friendships, but ultimately it's a group of friends that really make a stark commitment to each other. And have that conversation of here's what we're going to do for each other here's how we treat each other here's how we show up for each other and here's what we expect out of each other and it's this level of formalization isn't really the word that I would go with because it feels really strict but it's really commitment that is put forth and everyone discusses and agrees on so that you can walk through life and know that you have these people and you know how they're going to show up for you I thought that was really important. What I liked about that podcast is it started with what we said last week. He admitted he was lonely. He admitted that he didn't have close friendships. He was putting work first. I mean, he has a very important job, so I understand why, but he was putting work first and he wasn't showing up for friends. He said people would call him and he was in situations where he was like, Hey, I'll just call you later. Like it was always later. Like, I don't, I can't deal with this right now. And so he wasn't prioritizing friendship, which left him lonely, which caused him to say, Hey, let's put this together. I really like the idea and I think it would serve a lot of people who are in a similar situation where maybe they haven't been prioritizing friendship or maybe they need the structure of the commitment to make them act 
maybe they're not going to do those things we said where it's a casual like how are you text or maybe they're just busy they have more they have more elements like they have children they have a spouse they have this big job so they need that structure in order for them to move forward and have that support and i'm all for it i mean there are a lot of very busy people so if that's what it takes to have your tribe and not feel lonely i think it's beautiful do you have any friends that you feel like you've kind of formalized that commitment to or does it feel more implicit i would say it's implicit but there are some like formalized moments like when trey asked me the other day like you have my mom's phone number right like anyway we were talking about how he has friends as his emergency contacts because like we don't live near our family so like if something happens his mom needs to be able to call me or his friend alan and so we were talking through that and like Derek, who's been a friend since freshman year of high school who lives in New York, it's like he spent Thanksgiving with my family. Trey and Derek both came here. Uh, Trey came and brought his best friend, Deja, who has become one of our close friends. And Derek brought his, brought his girlfriend, Caitlin, who I've also known for years at this point. So there is just this baseline of like, we're family. Like we're just, my parents know who they are. Like uh, Derek's mom was in a car accident and my parents were like, do we need to go to the hospital? And like, what does he need? Does he need anything? It's like, my parents are doing that. Like, that's clearly someone who I have a commitment to. And there have been times where he's like really shown up for me. So I have it, not in that formalized, like we have our calls and then like at this time, but like, yeah, I mean, I feel, feel, like feel so lucky to have that. Do you feel that you have it in a formalized way or do you have more implicit Yeah, I wouldn't say that it was formalized. I feel like the Surgeon General spoke about them having a certain cadence that they met at. Sounded like there was maybe a calendar insight. Yeah, there was a Zoom link, and I respect that. I certainly don't have that. I would say some of these are more individual one-on-one relationships versus it being a distinct group of people. My therapist actually, after a long conversation, we came up with the term swim team which I love. I mean, I love the water anyway, Scorpio water sign, but the swim team is really the people that are there that are going to dive in deep with me. I haven't sent everyone merch, not sending flippers out. I think these are people at the very least, we've had those conversations where it's very frank even, you know, it doesn't have to be serious. We're just like, yeah, we're just in it together. We're, we're there. And so it kind of implies that no matter what is going on, what happens on others, either side, we're there and we're gonna be open eyes, open ears, open hearts. Those are just friendships that I feel not everyone gets to have. So I try to remind myself like how fortunate it is because hearing more and more content about how people are lonely, people who you wouldn't even think, like you're the attorney general or the surgeon general, <laughs> not the attorney general. You have a very visible role and you have a family. So it's like finding yourself lonely, like when is there time for that? Like you have a very busy job, you are partnered. So I think it was cool to hear him say, like this is where I'm at. Yeah, I feel like one bias that I had that I had to correct myself on was, first of all, Surgeon General says he's lonely. He's surrounded by people all the time, not saying those are meaningful relationships, but I was like, oh, this is kind of surprising to hear. But then he, he broke it down that he hadn't really nurtured and kept up those relationships because his job was so important because he is serving all of us. And then at one point he says, my wife, and I'm like, what? And it, it, I feel like it made me double back and take a step back and say, it doesn't mean he's 
literally doesn't see human beings or, you know, is alone at home or, you know, has no one to call, but it's more the state of loneliness because the relationships aren't necessarily in like the place and level of communication that he needs. Yeah, he didn't have connection. Like he Mm -hmm. had plenty of touch points. He just wasn't connecting with people because he wasn't allowing himself the time. And I think it was brave of him to share that because a lot of people are surrounded by people and very lonely because they're not allowing themselves to dive deep. They're not sharing. And maybe they just feel like there's not time. If I mean, we live in a capitalistic society. If I have to like hustle up my job and pay for kids, kids are expensive, be there for my spouse, like call my parents. Like we're all, we're also in families beyond the families that people are creating. It doesn't leave space always to connect. So I thought it was brave of him to share. And also in the podcast, just hearing like small ways you can draw for people, just like remembering like their big days, like, I loved hearing that too. Like when there's a moment where it's a big day for a friend, and I think we've talked about this, but like an interview they have or whatever they have coming up, um, something with their parents, just like nudging. Like you don't just text their friends on their birthdays, but being like, hey, like you mentioned you had this today. Like, cause it's a, it's a good way to stay connected. I agree with that. And I'll say I try to be on top of, you know, birthdays, things like interviews, big moments, but I won't always. I think I'll usually remember. It's more that I don't know what day it is. Yeah. So, so I'll I'll put it in my phone. I'll put it in my calendar, and it 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 just helps me know. Oh wow, today's Wednesday. That is the day. Let me make sure that I reach out to that person because if I don't have that reminder, I might think it's Monday, and then the moments passed. Right. Right. It goes a really long way. Like we said, it's a Valentine's Day episode. And we were talking about like some friend love. We have never really broached the topic of our dating lives. Sounds like a short moment on the podcast, but let's talk about dating a little bit. Yeah, I think if we decided to make the Valentine's Day episode about our dating lives, it would be very short. It would have been over. Yeah. That would have been over already. (laughs) I think when we talk about dating, it's less about our dating lives because it's been implied that those are not that robust. In another episode, we'll talk about why that is. But <laughs> <laughs> Don't make us do that today. But what I want to talk about is neutrality in dating. I sent you a TikTok that actually my sister sent to me because she said the woman sounded like me. It also was something I would say. I resonated deeply with the TikTok. But she was talking about how people get really excited. For us, mostly it's women. My guy friends don't really care that deeply. But <laughs> like women are like, they care about me, but like me and the dating, they're like, whatever you want to do. But my girlfriends are super interested if I'm like, okay, I met this guy or like this guy texted me or I was like with this guy. There's this excitement that gets like really hype. And so I think while sometimes, you know, girls just want to be girls and you're like, oh my God, yeah, he texted me. Like I like want to entertain it. But then sometimes I'm like, why can't we just like stop acting like I have no game and I never talk to men? Like, why are we being so serious about this interaction? Sometimes I want a little more neutrality like how do you feel like do we like him we don't have to fan girl over the concept of me being taken off the market it excites them probably more than me starting this podcast (laughs) (laughs) the look you just gave me (laughs) i definitely see that a lot i've experienced that a lot i feel like i try to maybe look at the person's facial expressions and listen to how, reflect on how they pose the story and kind of read the room and decide, is this more of an FYI? Is this more of a, I just 
want to tell you so that I can tell you and we can keep talking about other things? Or is it like, ooh, like, let's all kiki about this? Do people say kiki anymore? Probably not. People do still say kiki. Oh, okay. Yeah, the dating thing is interesting because you're right, read the room. Like, sometimes, it, like I said, we are having, like, the kicking our feet girl talk. But I think my issue is not your friends being excited because I love my girls being excited for me. But I think being more excited over the prospect of me having a partner than anything else I'm doing. There are things I'm doing in my life that are actually much harder than finding a man to date. And we don't even know this man. I think you're a stranger until you're not. And so like, why are we getting so excited about strangers when your friends are doing really dope things? Also, have you met a man? Like, it's like, like, it's just like, (laughs) some of my friends have really amazing partners, but like these dating stories usually end in a man doing something very ridiculous. Do you want me to be at the eye of the storm? Like if I have a partner or if I go like kicking my feet about men, it's like, okay, then we have that in common where otherwise we might not. Oh, interesting. In the past two years, what I would say is I've had a situation where it's kind of the opposite. I know I mentioned in the first episode, but my partner Joseph passed away. So there's certainly not too much kicking of the girls kicking their feet about dating antics. Sometimes that level of excitement, or let's call it lack of neutrality, applies to other things that are going on in my life that I'm very much presenting as FYIs. And then I feel like they're being beefed up and it's maybe to like hype me up. But I'm like, no, 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 no. We really like, I'm giving you the information and kind of like the vibe of the situation, just keeping you abreast of what's happening. But like, we're not excited. It's a lot of, we'll see could be good here's the pros here's the cons we'll see but i've had many people approach me about things that frankly i'm i'm not sure why they would be excited about but it's kind of like ooh, and then i'm like oh do you think they're excited because they feel like well you said you maybe they're hyping you up but they're like there hasn't been something to be excited about in a while i think so but then that goes back to let's just be okay with neutrality you know and and there can be ups and downs there can be neutrals i think i have tended to sit in neutrality. I mean, I, I get excited about a lot of things, but I feel like I use neutrality as kind of like the base point of where I'm going to assess a situation that someone's telling me. And if they're leaning more positive or leaning more negative, I get a sense of where they're at on it. And then that's where I can meet them. Yeah, I think sometimes I'm reading the room, but I'm also reading between the lines because I do think people sometimes don't act excited because they don't want to get disappointed. So there are times where I'm like, I'm going to hype you up. You're great. Even if you don't win or get the job or do this, it doesn't make you less great. So we're going to be excited. But then when it comes to dating, I think there's so much in dating. There's like insecurities. There are people who feel like their time, especially as we're in our 30s, their timelines are off. When am I going to get married so I can have a baby? I realize not everyone's job has an egg freezing program. So people are like, I need to have these children. And people are talking about egg freezing more than ever. It's just so much going on. So I think you're right in those cases, I try to find neutrality because I'm like, are you one of those people who needs to find a man now because you're trying to like plan your life? Or are you one of those people who are like, I'm just kind of dating, seeing what hits. And like, I feel like I have to find, I have to read the room, but also like read between the lines. Because I do find when you don't get excited about the right things, there is a, the vibe is off. People are like, aren't, why are you not? Please clap. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, right, right, right. Not shading my girls who like dating is at the forefront for them. I require a little more neutrality because I think having a partner could be a really exciting part of the journey, but it's not my main focus right now. So 
when it is the main focus of other women being okay with like our paths diverging there like i'm still gonna root for you if you want to talk about your dates i'm down i want to hear all about it but like also let me be in my bubble of like i have other things to do and if i meet a great man we are gonna talk about it but i'm only gonna let you kick your feet for like one conversation because we don't (laughs) even know if he's gonna text me back like let's just relax this all goes back to our point earlier about people being on different paths and being able to walk alongside someone even if they're not doing the exact same thing as you. I love that. I think it's super important even if this particular example of dating, even if that's one person's reality and not the same for the other person, as long as everyone's okay and comfortable talking about it, yeah, it is nice. And just because you know someone might not be dating for a specific reason, it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, that's off topic. They don't want to hear about that. If that is the case, they'll probably let you know. Right. So love is in the air. What about the love we have for ourselves? Self-love is so important. I really don't love the idea, the cliche that people say, you have to love yourself before you love someone else because you don't. I mean, have you seen people in relationships? But there are so many things you can do like to show love to yourself. I think something that I've done this year is really act on my hobbies and talk about them. I hired a book proposal coach and I have really been acting out that lifelong dream of wanting to write a book and she's been helping me and there's like some group sessions and it's been really helpful. I have showed myself love by putting up boundaries. I think it's getting overused as a buzzword, but I'm a very easygoing person and I'm a pretty forgiving person. And I think that has let some of my relationships be in a situation where it's like, you probably shouldn't be getting away with that. So I've definitely put some boundaries up to just like make sure I feel good in situations and like people still feel loved but like they know where I stand showing love by like allowing myself grace it's been hard to I started a new job in August I'm writing I'm doing a podcast I travel a lot I spend a lot of time with my friends it's hard to do all that like some weeks I don't work out as much as I want or cook as much as I want or I don't call my mom and I know it's been too long since I've spoken to her or I haven't texted my dad back and it's like giving myself grace in moments of like okay you try to do a lot of things so restructuring and like what's important and how I can show up for myself so I can continue to show up for other people absolutely it all comes back to the relationship with yourself impacting the relationship with other people I feel like for myself self-love has shown up through grace definitely patience There are a lot of things that I want to do, a lot of things that I previously could do, a lot of things that I feel like I can and should do, but that might not be exactly what's happening right now, or it might be in process, but we're we're not at any sort of destination rest stop, anything, we're still putting gas in the car. And so being patient and sitting with that faith and that belief, having a lot of belief in myself, I think is a huge form of self-love. And even if I don't exactly know what I'm doing and I'm figuring it all out, I know that I have a little roadmap, I guess a little roadmap in my heart of what I believe to be true. And that's, that's what I'm going off of. I love that. Well, happy Valentine's day to everyone. And we love you. We hope you love yourself. We love you. Thank you for listening to Table Pancakes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to drop us a line, our email address is tablepancakespod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.